Grace to you and peace from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Please be seated. In the evil days of apartheid, Archbishop Desmond Tutu once found himself face to face with Luis Lagrange. Lagrange was South Africa's minister of law and order, and he was responsible for the nation's prisons and the police force. And then he was at the head of the whole brutal apparatus intended to keep the racist system in place. Tutu, when he was face to face, stared up at Lagrange and he said this, Mr. Minister, you are not God. You are merely a man. And one day your name will only be a faint scribble on the pages of history, while the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord of the church, lives forever. Now we know Archbishop Tutu as a man of action, action that flowed from his devotion to Jesus Christ. It's part of his spiritual practice, his spiritual discipline, to participate in the Eucharist every day, to pledge allegiance to Jesus and his kingdom, to obey him as his Lord and to follow him as a disciple with the prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven on his lips. And as a man of deep Eucharistic devotion, he was at the ready to roll up his sleeves and get to work as he prayed for God's kingdom to come through in whatever circumstances might be in front of him. And working together with many people of goodwill, apartheid did fall. And men like Lagrange, they were banished from the halls of power. Lagrange and his people finally had to stand under the light of the kingdom and the judgment of its truth. And it was through people of goodwill that the light of the kingdom of God shone and the darkness of apartheid could not stand forever. And throughout this struggle, Tutu remained fixed on Jesus Christ, the Lord, the firstborn of the dead, and the rulers of the kings of the earth. In our gospel reading this morning, Pilate, whose name lives on only because we say it in our pledge of allegiance to Jesus Christ, Pilate, a proud governor of the Roman Empire, enters his headquarters where he can unleash police brutality to keep the Pax Romana running smoothly. You know, Pilate has the power of state-justified terror behind him. He sits on the judgment seat. He has the equivalent of what might be our nuclear codes that can unleash weapons of mass destruction the world over. And this gospel scene takes place early in the morning on the first Good Friday. And remember that it's just the night before, what we know as Monday Thursday, that Jesus was arrested and struck in the face by the authorities, struck in the face by corrupted kingdoms. 
that too often justify their violence as the only way to keep the peace. Now it's early in the morning. Jesus is tired, beaten, and hungry. He stands before Pilate as Pilate sits on his self-satisfied throne. Pilate is a man of this world, a leader, and he knows what power and authority and kingship, he knows what those are to look like in the ways of this world. And the man standing before him is not the picture of kingship that Pilate has in mind. Jesus, when asked by Pilate if he's a king, he says, my kingdom is not from this world. And Pilate represents a kingdom that seems to have all the power in the world. He's a governor of the great Roman Empire. But it's only a man-made kingdom, and he is only a man, not God. The one standing before him, Jesus, is a man. But remember how John's gospel story begins 18 chapters ago? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God from before all time, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. Pilate might think that he's in control with the mighty apparatus of state violence behind him, but we know that the man who stands before him the man who stands before him is also God, the Alpha and the Omega. And he has Pilate in all the kingdoms of this world down to this day on trial, including our very own American kingdom. He puts us all on trial. His kingdom does not need the tools of statecraft, Jesus doesn't need a secretary of defense managing a $725 billion annual defense budget to keep the peace. When Jesus was arrested on Thursday night after he'd washed his disciples' feet and given them a new commandment to love one another as he loved them, after he'd broken bread with them, when he was arrested in the garden, Peter took out his sword, remember that? And he cut off the ear of the soldier, the arresting soldier. But Jesus says, put the sword away. And now before Pilate, Jesus says, if my kingdom was merely from this world, if it was only from this world, my followers would be developing a strategy to go to war but because his kingdom is unshakable, eternal from the heavens, because it is God's kingdom, violence to keep the peace will no longer be necessary. Go ahead, Pilate, use all the violence you can conjure up, terrorize him, mock him, crown him with thorns, write king of the Jews above his cross, do everything you can to show the world that your violent power is absolute. We know how the trial goes. We know that the full force of Pax Romana is unleashed. Jesus is hung on a tree out by the garbage dump, lest the people forget that the emperor has absolute power. 
and any foolish uprisings disrupting the Pax Romana will be squashed. Like the lynching trees of America, the cross was a reminder in this world of who has authority and who does not. The Lagranges and pilots of this world still think that the cross is the final word. What more can you do to stop a movement than to kill it? Nothing. You can do nothing more. Kill the person, kill the movement, squash it. But on this day of resurrection, on this day of new creation, thanks be to God, the cross becomes a royal throne a throne that lifts the true king above the earth to draw the whole world to himself. His foot-washing, meal-sharing, outstretched love is the only absolute power there is. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to his voice. The feast of Christ the King puts all the world all the world's kingdoms on trial. Anything that's not shaped by Christ's way of love, it's exposed as a lie. And this great feast puts the ultimate question to us, not just the kingdoms of the world on trial, but us. What kingdom are we striving for? Who gets our ultimate allegiance? Today, may we receive the grace to know on this feast day that only one kingdom endures forever, and it belongs to the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. So to him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom priest serving his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen.